if you would take your Bible this morning and turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'll read down through verse 10. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. He sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. He ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be guest with a man that was a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as so much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's really my text this morning is verse 10. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. So I've titled the message simply, He Came to Save. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we opened your precious word this morning. We thank you, Father, for this time of year we celebrate the coming of our Lord as a man, as a babe in a manger, they will grow to be a man made in our likeness to endure the afflictions of humanity upon himself to pay our sin debt. Father, we thank you for that. We pray as we look into the word of God today, as we consider this great truth, that we be encouraged, challenged, that we be really thankful for what you did for us and the price that was paid to purchase our redemption. Father, we pray if there be any in our midst today who have never been born again, never have repented of their sins, I pray that the Spirit of God would bring conviction in their hearts and bring them to that place of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So have your will and your way, and may you be glorified, we do pray in Jesus' name. Many people go through life and question, what's the purpose? What's the purpose in life? Why am I here? After all, we're told in our society today that, you know, we're the fruit of evolution, that, you know, we're the offspring of some big bang somewhere, some little micro-something, micro you know, amoeba, dividing and or, or, or we came from soup or we come from a fish that started to walk or you know all sorts of crazy ideas so people say what is the purpose in life many people join causes such as antifa and some even joined isis when isis was very powerful some some americans joined isis because it gave them a purpose it gives them some cause for living, even though it may be a futile cause. 
Now, our Lord Jesus had a divine purpose in coming into this world, and by taking a human body, and it was to give his life to save that which was lost. He came to save. That was his purpose in coming. So as we consider verse 10 this morning, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I want to notice five things. I've got to divide this up into five things. First of all, he is the Son of Man. He is the Son of Man. Now, Isaiah 9, 6, we know the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And all those, we can consider all those titles. You know, He is wonderful. You know, in Matthew 21, 15, it says, When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that He did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased. They couldn't deny all the wonderful things that He did in the nation of Israel. And of course, He is wonderful in that He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did a stream and smit, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. You know, we sing the song, and I love the song, uh, wonderful, in, in our hymn book. You know, uh, you know, wonderful salvation He gives and, and, and redemption He brings and all those things. You know, He is a wonderful, He is a wonderful, He is wonderful. He's also called the Counselor. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made of God, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know, where can we get such great counsel but from the Lord? Isaiah said in Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. So he is the counselor. He's the Almighty. Revelation 1.8 describes him as the Alpha. And he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. The Almighty. He's the Almighty God. By him all things were created. By him all things consist or held together. He, uh, you know, he is before all things. He's, the ever, he's called the Everlasting Father. He's the Everlasting One. Micah 5.2 talks about him being from everlasting, from old. He's also described as the Prince of Peace. He was bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah 53 says. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. Ephesians 2.14 says he is our peace. He is our peace. You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. You see, this, so he is, he is, we understand, he is God. He is the Almighty. He was God manifested in the flesh. But Galatians 4.4 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son made of a woman, made under the law. Philippians 2 7 says, But he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. You know, he, but he is also the Son of Man. He was made in our likeness. 
He had a body like you and I have, just without sin. Think about that likeness to you and I. Did you ever get tired? He got tired. He grew weary. John 4, 6, they were coming to Samaria. The Bible says he was wearied with his journey. And thus he sat on the well. He knew what it was to grieve, to weep. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. He knew what it was to be hungry. He became hungry and he sought fruit on a fig tree and there was none and he cursed it. He knew he became angry. Some people say you should never get angry. Jesus did. Mark 4 or 3, 5 says, and when he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved, he was angry and he was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. His closely associate denied he knew him, Peter. One of his disciples betrayed him. All forsook him and fled. He was, in, he was in agony of soul and body in the garden and he sweat great drops of blood. On the cross, uh, he cried, I thirst. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He is still the Son of Man. He is the Son of Man. He was made in our likeness. And He is still the Son of Man. By the way, you know who used that phrase, Son of Man, more than any other? Was Jesus Christ Himself. The words, the phrase, Son of Man, is used 89 times in the New Testament and 85 of them were used by Jesus Christ Himself in the Gospels. He is still that Son of Man. Luke 24, 39, after the resurrection, He said to His disciples, Behold my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Of course, Paul writing to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And as Stephen was giving his testimony before the Pharisees, just before he was stoned, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, he said, And I see, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. See, he is still the Son of Man. And so we see he is the Son of Man. He was made like in our likeness. We also see that he, was, he, that he came of his own volition. You notice in verse 10 again, for the Son of Man is come. He is come. He came of His own volition, of His own free will. He wasn't forced into coming to save us or in coming to die. John 1.12 says, He came unto His own, but His own received not. He came unto His own. In Hebrews chapter 7, there's quite a few references that, that uh, speak of this in, in the book of Hebrews. For example, Hebrews 7, verse 27 says, Who needeth not daily, as those high priests, offer up sacrifices, 
first for his own sins, then for the people's. For this he did once, notice, when he offered up himself. He offered up himself. In chapter 9, verse 14, again, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, To God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He offered himself without spot. In verse 25 and 26, again, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth in the holy place every year with the blood of others. But then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It was his own sacrifice. Of his own volition. Chapter 10, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. I come. Verse 12. Again, that this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down of the right hand of God. You see, he offered himself. Again, Philippians 2, 7, that I quoted earlier, it says, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He took it upon himself. In fact, in the discourse on the Good Shepherd in John chapter 10, speaking to his disciples, Jesus made very clear to them that he, did, he was doing this of his own volition. In John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, well, verse 11 he says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Then in verse 17, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He said, my Father has given me power to lay my life down and to take it up again. And I'm willing to give it. And he made that clear to those that arrested him. In Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, and verses 51 through 54, when he was being arrested in the garden, of course, Peter drew out a sword. Peter was ready to fight. I like Peter. Uh, but Peter was ready to fight. You know, there is a time to fight and time not to fight. This is not the time. But in verse 51, it says, And behold, one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand. And, of course, I think as John tells us it was Peter. Drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall this scripture be fulfilled, that thus it must be? Do you not think I could ask my father and he'd send me 12 legions of angels and destroy all these? 
But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? You see, he came of his own volition. Thirdly, he came to seek you. He came seeking you and me. He came unto his own, and his own received. He came, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, Jesus Christ came into the world seeking sinners. In John chapter 4, remember when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman. He said unto her in John 4, 23, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. The Father seeketh such to worship him. The word seeketh simply means seek in order to find. It's like we'd be looking for someone you, lo- you love who is lost in the forest. How do you look for someone that you love who is lost in the forest? Oh, well, I hope we find him. Is that how you look? There is desire. There is earnestness. There is emotion. And Jesus displayed these things in seeking men. For example, the rich young ruler came to Jesus, came running. Sir, what? A good, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus begins to tell him, you know, keep the commandments. And, and, and he says, well, all these have I done. And he says, it's one thing thou lackest. Go sell what thou hast. Give it to the poor and come follow me. She, he was an idolater. He loved money. He wasn't willing to give that up. And he went away sorrowful. And the Bible says in Mark 10, 21, that Jesus beholding him loved him. Loved him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. All ye that are burdened down with the burdens of life, the burden of sin, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest on your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, he is wisdom calling out to mankind. Go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 8 speaks of him in a very powerful way. Proverbs 8 verse 1 says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places by the way of the places of the past. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple, understand wisdom, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness, and there is nothing froward or perverse in them. 
They're all plain to him that understandeth and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, not silver, knowledge rather than choice, choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth though I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold. My revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that it may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the world earth was. Where there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the depths, uh, the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And notice, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken unto me, O you children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. See, he is wisdom calling out to mankind. And his delights is with the sons of men. You know, I believe that's really, you know, we could make an application there to him walking in the cool of the garden, the cool of the day in the garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He delighted in that. You see, he came seeking you and I. He came to seek us out. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions, adoption of sons. He came seeking us. Seeking you. Then fourthly, not only did he come to seek us, but he came to save us. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save. To seek and to save. You know, when the angel appeared to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he said, And she, that is Mary, shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. He came to save us from our sins. Our sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. 
and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You know, our sin separates us from God. We know that the, uh, are familiar with Romans 6, 23, which, which says the wage of sin is death. And again, death is separation. It's separation from God. That is the condemnation of the law. But Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. See, He came to save us from our sins. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, we can talk all day and debate who put Christ on the cross. But in the end, it's our sin that put him there. It's our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, 1 John 2, 2 says, And he is a propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, not just for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation means appeasing. Means of appeasing. He is the means of appeasing the wrath of God. See, God will pour out His wrath on sinners. God cannot look upon sin. In fact, John 3, 36 says this, He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If if you're without Christ this morning, you're under the wrath of God. The wrath of God is abiding on you. But He is our propitiation. He has appeased my wrath. He has taken my wrath upon Himself. In fact, He explains that in John chapter 3 and verses 14 through 17. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, God sent his Son into the world And Jesus offered himself as our sacrifice for sin. He offered himself as the one who would take the wrath of God in my place. That's why he cried on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was taking my wrath upon himself. Became sin. Us. He came to save. 
So he is the Son of Man. We see that he is the Son of Man, that he came of his own volition, that he came to seek us. He came also to save us. He also came for that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, so what was lost in the fall? Well, you say just mankind. No, there was more than that. Your man's relationship and standing with God was lost, but also all of creation was placed under the curse of sin. All of creation. Because God had given man dominion or rule over creation. He gave that to Adam. Adam is the head of humanity. You know, Genesis 1 tells us this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, that God gave dominion over all of creation to Adam. Genesis 1, 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created his own image, in the image of God created he him, Male and female create the M. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God gave man dominion over all of the earth, all of creation. And in his sin, Adam surrendered that dominion to Satan. He surrendered. Four times, or three times in the Gospel of John, Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. John 14, 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. John 16, 11, Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So he three times Jesus called Satan the prince of this world, and Paul, writing to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, called Satan the god of this world. See, when Adam sinned, he surrendered that dominion to Satan. And now all of creation, not just mankind is under the curse of sin, but all of creation is cursed. That's why we have thorns and thistles. And the, yield, the, the earth does not yield its fruit like it could, like it did in its Edenic state. That's why we have to work by the sweat of your brow to make a living. That's why there's sickness and disease, not just in humanity, but in the animals and all of creation. Romans tells us that the, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it tells us very clearly. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man, sin 
entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, it says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who was subjected the same behold. See, it was him, Adam, who subjected all of creation to vanity. Did you realize that originally dogs would not kill cats? And cats would not kill mice? I know that seems kind of odd to us. But there was no death until Adam sinned. None. Not even in the animal kingdom. And son of man really means son of Adam. And it was the first Adam that was given dominion over creation and that surrendered that dominion. But in his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ hath nullified Adam's sin. He's voided it. He's removed it. Notice verse 21, Romans 8, 21 says, Because the creature itself shall also, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, in Revelation chapter 5, there's a scene in heaven of God sitting on his throne with a seven-sealed book in his hand written on the back side. And the question is raised, who is worthy to open the book? And John said, I wept. Because no man was found worthy to open the book. He said, one of the elders said unto me, weep not. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed and is worthy to open the book. What is the book? We believe it's the title deed to the earth, to creation. That Adam surrendered to Satan. Because in that book, and once those seals are open, all the judgment upon mankind, God pouring out His wrath, judging man, is, is now taking place in Revelation chapter 6 until chapter 19. And it's going to bring about a consummation of all things and it's going to bring usher in eventually that new heaven and new earth. That glorious liberty of the children of God. And the one worthy to open the book, to break the seals, is the, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. You see, He is worthy. It is He that is worthy to judge the world and man for His rebellion against Him and to redeem creation unto Himself by the power's resurrection. See, by His death and resurrection, He has redeemed all men who repent and all of creation. In Acts chapter 17, at Athens, Paul said this, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. 
because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. See, God has appointed a day. There's a day coming when he is going to redeem all of that which was lost. All of creation. All mankind who will repent. Uh, you know, and all of creation. Creation will be transformed and changed and renewed. Peter tells us that. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will enjoy that glorious liberty of the children of God. See, one day it's going to be like it was with Adam and Eve. When the Bible says that the Lord came down and walked in the cool of the garden. There was no sin, no death, no sorrow, no sickness. Because we have a lamb that was slain who was worthy. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna redeem that which was lost and usher in a new heir wherein dwelleth righteousness. Yes, he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, he came seeking you. He came to save you from your sin. Have you repented of your sin? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? He'll either be your Lord and Savior or he'll be your judge. Because God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. So have you received him? You, who he is seeking, have you responded and received him as your Lord and as your Savior? You know, Zacchaeus said, Lord, behold, Lord, if I've taken anything. You know, Zacchaeus gave evidence that he had responded in salvation, repented and accepted the Lord as his Savior. The Lord became the one now who directed his life, not the Roman government. You know, he may have continued on as a tax collector. I don't know. But I'll guarantee you he was a different kind of tax collector. Because he had a higher authority than the Roman government. He said, he called Jesus Lord. Is he your Lord and Savior? If not, he can be. You can know him as your Lord and Savior because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that means he came to seek you and to save you. Will you receive him?